When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody, and welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. A little bit different of a schedule this week because of the Jadavian Clowney signing. So we're doing our roundtable today and got to watch the table run on Friday morning. So, of course, we're talking Clowney, but we expand the conversation a little bit with Mary Kay Cabot, Doug Maurice, Scott Patsko, Ellis Williams, uh, and we talk about where do the Browns fit in the Super Bowl picture? Does Jadavian Clowney make them contenders? Were they already contenders? If they win the Super Bowl, it will be because of blank. I threw that at everybody there towards the end. So kind of a bigger picture discussion of Jadavian Clowney here on our roundtable. Make sure you check out Football Insider. It's cleveland.com slash browns. It's the blue banner at the top of the page to get an exclusive newsletter every single day. Get access to those exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns and to get involved in our texting. Okay, enough for me, at least in this part. Here's our Friday roundtable, but it's on a Thursday. Enjoy. Jadavian Clowney is a Cleveland Brown. Every free agent that they have signed has, to some degree, alluded to the Super Bowl. Whether they've said it directly or not, they've alluded to the Super Bowl. Is this team a Super Bowl contender after this signing? We just recently got off of a Zoom call with Jadavian Clowney, and he was talking about how the the sky being the limit is is too limiting for him. And uh, so I asked him about, you know, are you considering – are you aiming for NFL defensive player of the year? And he said, yes, I am aiming for NFL defensive player of the year. And, you know, if nothing else, at least an all pro he's coming in here with his hair on fire, he is ready to roll. And if he lives up to even half of what he's trying to do this season, he's going to help the Browns a lot. And I think when you add it all up, if they were what they were last year, which was a final eight football team, There's no reason why they shouldn't be able to go farther this year. I think this helps them a lot. I think everything that they've done defensively really has overhauled their defense. Uh, And and I really think that they can make a lot of noise this year. I would not say that they are a Super Bowl contender because they signed to Davion Clowney. I would say they were a Super Bowl contender already. And then they also happened to sign to Davion Clowney. Like I just, they're already there. So I'm not, I'm just being weird. (laughs) <laughs> just words but like th- this is like i don't even think to mary Kay's point I-, I think if you get 35 percent of what this could be like it's worth it and like i don't know i would be curious here i don't actually know i'm not being stupid i don't know what the downside of this is because it feels like they have the money and they spend it as one year and whatever 
So I don't know what the downside is. And the upside, I don't think it'll hit the upside. But we know what the upside is. And, you know, I don't think it'll take much of him to make them better. So, you know, I was never as into him. I think I might have been like the least excited about him all along the way. I I talked an awful lot about Tack McKinley that maybe doesn't sound so great now. But but why wouldn't you do this for this price for one year? Why? Like, why wouldn't you do it? So, like, let's go, baby. Doug, I, I actually am glad you brought up tech. I want to ask you about that here in a second, based on what you just said. But I want to hear from Scott Nellis first. Yeah, you know, first thing I thought of when when the Browns made this official, poor Tech McKinley. You know, he he had his moment here of talking about everything he wanted to do, and now it's kind of, you know, kind of up in the air on on how he'll be used. But it's funny that if you look at what Carl Lawson signed for with the Jets and and Ngakwe with the Raiders, and even like Hendrickson with the Bengals. The Browns basically spent that money on edge rush for this offseason, but they got two guys out of the deal and they got, you know, the better guy for, for obviously much less. So I, I agree with Doug, though, the, the Browns are not a Super Bowl contender because Clowney is here. The Browns are a Super Bowl contender because they got everybody coming back on offense because they signed guys like Hill and Johnson for the back of the defense. I think that is, is the biggest impact here and the reason why we're talking about the Browns being a Super Bowl contender and why the players are talking about that. But I know this, that if the Browns don't get to the Super Bowl, it's probably going to be because somebody ran around the left edge where Clowney was manning to score the winning touchdown. You know, he's, he's obviously a big upgrade as an overall edge defender than what the Browns had their last couple of years. So whether he sees a huge boost and becomes a, 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 a pro bowler again, playing with Miles Garrett, that remains to be seen, but I think he's definitely an upgrade and, Again, it gives you more options going into the draft and adding him with McKinley gives you more options just on the line. As usual, Scott knows what's up. If (laughs) Jadavion Clowney were on this Browns roster when Patrick Mahomes missed the final three 20 minutes of that game and Chad Henney escaped around the left end and picked up a, well, nearly a first down, that play doesn't happen if Clowney's there. Clowney does love to crash inside. I just went live with my film breakdown of him, did a, a bunch of research on it last night, w- rewatched three of his games, two from 2019, one from this past year, and mixed some highlights in there. And you see a lot of that from Clowney using his explosiveness to fake outside, cut inside, and blow a play up. Sometimes that does co- cost him outside contain, but the difference is he's athletic enough to make up for that. He's going to pursue a, a quarterback who is trying to buy time and still throw once the edge is now available. Clowney would have won him that, that game in Kansas city a year ago. And now they have guys like John Johnson and Troy Hill to add to a secondary that can compete against Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes because, you know, Mahomes probably isn't missing the final 23 minutes of any playoff games ever again. So add Clowney to what they've done to their back end and just the um, immense amount of versatility they have up front from Tack to Malik Jackson to Andrew Billings to Jordan Elliott. I mean, this is becoming a, a NASCAR style front that they can play the five guys I just listed really anywhere. You know, Clowney dominates tackles, which people will see in my film review. Imagine what he does to guards inside, and he's capable of that. We've talked about what Miles can do inside. Uh, Malik Jackson can, can play both three tech and, and a five and a wide nine. I mean, the versatility of this front is ridiculous, and that's exactly what it takes to win playoff games. 
So with Clowney now, they have a, a, just a mixture of talent that really can hit you from all areas up front. So, Doug, I, I do want to ask you about the tack thing. Because, look, you were probably the biggest tack advocate uh, on this podcast. And I'm curious, first of all, why Clowney doesn't like do it for you quite as much as Tack did. But secondly, I think this is actually great for Tack. I, I think, you know, I'm sure he wanted to come here and start, but I think putting him in a more situational kind of Adrian Claiborne role, uh, role is going to be great for him. So I, I guess I'm just curious why Clowney is different from Tack in your mind. Part of it's what you're paying for the guy. I do think Clowney's 28, which is easy to forget. It's easy to think he's older but I think he's probably older than 28 with like sort of the knee stuff that he's had. Right. And I know, like, I think if you talk to like Tennessee Titans people right now, I think in Tennessee, there's a little bit of a, like, good luck. They paid 13 million for him last year. And I don't know what exactly they got out of it. Right. That even when he was on the field, did he have no sacks last year? Right. That, that tack to me is at a point where it's like tax just been goofed up, I think for a couple of years. And I know he had the hamstring, whatever stuff too, but I think there's a little more, I think tack to me, there's a chance to catch lightning in a bottle. I don't think Clowney would be lightning in a bottle, but his clearly his status quo is much better than tax. So I just, I, I think like a, the role of the dice aspect with tack got me a little more excited. Like I think tax, how do I say this? Tax ceiling is clearly lower than Clowney's. I think tack has a better chance to get to his ceiling than Clowney does though. But again, what the heck man. And by the way, on third down, on third and eight, it's going to be Miles and Tack outside and Clowning and Richardson inside, right? Like they're all going to be on the field together when it's money time to get after the passer. So bring them on. How, how do you guys, I mean, I'll ask you guys kind of the same question, the rest of you. How do you kind of compare the Clowning and, and the Tack signing? And now that we have the, I don't think we have the full picture of that edge rushing room yet. We'll get to that. But now that we have at least that element of it, how do you compare those two and, and how they'll work off each other? You know, I actually think that bringing in Clowney will light another fire under Tack. I think uh, he's uh, the kind of player that, that kind of needs some of that motivation. I think they will play well off of each other. I think they'll complement each other in the fact that uh, you have Tack, uh, who probably is a little bit more of a rusher, and then you've got Jadavian, who excels more against the run. So when you're talking about, you know, down and distance or matchups or any of those things, you know, you can kind of use those two guys strategically. Uh, I I think the competition between the two of them will sort of bring out the best in both of them. It's two guys with something to prove, two guys that want to come in here and get their careers back on track. And here is why I think this is a good place to do that, because guys love playing for this coaching staff, okay? They love playing for Kevin Stefanski. It's, it's a supportive environment. It's a, it's a winning environment now. Guys enjoy playing here. It's got a family feel to it. A lot of guys really you know, are, are great friends to the extent they can be when it was difficult to bond like that uh, during the pandemic. Uh, but this is a, a bunch of really, really good guys. And it's going to be fun to play on this football team. It's going to be fun to play on this defense. When, one of the coolest things that I thought Jadavian Clowney said today was when we show up in training camp, we're going to see just what, how special of a group this is. And I agree with him. I think they're going to want to be a part of it. I think he wanted to come here and he said that he did. He wanted to come here. Why? Because it's pretty darn obvious. This is a winning football team. Now he didn't know that going into last year, 
going into last year, they still had to prove it. And they were still a team coming off of a six and 10 season. And they were still sort of the Cleveland clowns. They were, they still had a horrible reputation league-wide. Well, that's no longer. Okay. Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, those guys have completely changed the culture and the perception of this football team to the point where you've got guys that can go other places that want to come here. I think there's great synergy chemistry. Uh, I love the way that they're setting up the defense. When you look at the personalities, John Johnson, you know, there's going to be a lot of leadership, Anthony Walker, the, the vibe and the energy is going to be really, really good. And I think tack and Jadavian, if they were going to have an opportunity to pick up their game and be what they can be, I think this is the place to do it. I think the big thing that McKinley gives you is, and if he is kind of the quote unquote Claiborne, Adrian Claiborne of 2021, uh, he's, he's more versatile than Claiborne where Claiborne was pretty much stuck on one side and McKinley has moved around and can, has, has seems comfortable rushing from either side and Clowney's uh, similar in that. So if you have a defensive line that isn't going to get a lot of help in terms of blitzing help that is kind of like on its own as far as creating pressure on the quarterback. And if you can move those guys around and have more versatility on that front, that makes you a better team. And, and you're going to be more productive than just having guys who can only play from one side, especially if you got to take somebody off who's who you'd rather have on the field to get somebody else on who can only play on one side. So again, like Doug said, if you have a third down where you're, you're moving, you know, see if it's clowny, if it's Miles Garrett inside, whoever it is, you still have guys who then you can, you have options on which side you want to play them on and you're looking for the right matchup. And, you know, however, whoever ends up getting the most snaps here, just having both those guys added to this line just adds needed versatility. Yeah. I think this is bad news for tech McKinley individually, like, you know, better for the team overall, as we've laid out. The reason I think it's bad news for tack is because like an NBA crunch time five, who are going to be these four Browns defensive linemen to close games. We know Miles Garrett won't be coming off the field in crunch time. You can imagine Sheldon Richardson is out there. Jadavion probably deserves to be out there. And now we're dealing with one more spot. Can Tack win that spot? Potentially. Then Dan, I'd pivot back to you. Then it's then it's a, a win for Tack because then he's on the field with three players that probably deserve and will get more attention than him. And he's coming unblocked or in, or winning one-on-ones. Now, if it's Malik Jackson or Andrew Billings or Jordan Elliott, whoever that fourth guy ends up being, and if Tack is really just a, a situational reliever for Miles or Jadavion, then his numbers become more difficult to come across. And let's be honest, you know, he's looking for sacks to then get a, a, a payday, whether from Cleveland or elsewhere, which it would probably be elsewhere with the way this front office seems to, to be thinking. So I think it's it's unless he can break that top four and the and the Browns and embrace a NASCAR style front late in the fourth quarter and on, then I think this is bad news. But we just don't know enough yet. Of course, it's, it's only April about what this front is going to look like. But the pieces they have at their disposal are, are is damn impressive. Okay, I want to ask you guys this because I I think this is part of the Jadavian Clowney thing. I think he's a guy that no matter what happens kind of this year, if he's healthy and on the field, he's a guy that in an AFC divisional game or an AFC championship game or a Super Bowl can make one play for you that can change a game, whether it's a batted pass or a strip sack. 
how many guys on this defense now do you kind of see like that? So last year I would say it was probably, it was probably Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward and maybe Ronnie Harrison, but anybody else that's kind of like, Oh, Hey, MJ Stewart made a player. Oh, oh hey, look, Sione Taki Taki made a big play. It was sort of surprising when one of those guys made a play. Maybe but Sheldon. Now, realistically, Maybe Sheldon in that group. Yeah, Sheldon. How many guys on this defense right now do you think have that ability to make a game-changing play? Not, not back into one, not make a lucky play or catch a deflection or whatever, but a guy that can win a matchup and make a game-changing play. Because I think that's part of why this signing could be exciting. I think you'd have to say seven. Yeah. At least I would say, you know, five solid anywhere between five and seven, definitely five, maybe six. If if we went through real quick and just started naming guys like each of us, one after the other, how far would we go? So like I say, miles Garrett, Doug, you say Denzel Ward, Scott, John Johnson, Ellis, Grant Delpit. There we go. Mary Kay. Jadavian Clowney. Okay, so we're already up to five. Uh, we said Ronnie Harrison? Not yet. Ronnie Harrison. And I would say Sheldon Richardson. In, right. in a moment, I would say Sheldon Richardson. And we're probably for – I guarantee we're forgetting somebody. We, we haven't even thrown in a draft pick yet. Scott, Ellis, well, here, I mean, is there anybody else you think we're forgetting? Here's what we're really doing, though. We're, we're naming guys we expect to make that play. Anybody on this defense can make a game-changing play. Sheldrick Redwine made a game-changing play in the playoffs – by intercepting a pass. What Clowney is now is he's on this team and he's one of the expected ones because of his past and because of what he signed for and because of all the, you know, lead up to this, to this moment, but he's expected to be one of those guys. I was, I don't, was Olivier Vernon expected to be one of those guys? I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe his first year, but after that, I don't, I think he kind of fell out of that. So I think that's maybe how, how things are different now. You've definitely had a guy who's come in here, not just Clowney, but, you know, Johnson and, you know, Delpit coming back. These are guys who I think we expect to do that. And until we get a season of them not doing it, they'll, they'll remain on that list. Right. So I don't think we stretch to get to seven out of 11 guys. And we haven't even talked about a potential pick at 26 or a pick at 59. I mean, if you're telling me you draft – Greg Newsome or JC Horn or Ellis and Doug, Zaven Collins, that guy can't win a matchup and make a play. I mean, they're still going to add to this defense in some way, shape, or form. And I think that's a, a testament to Andrew Barry. I saw a tweet today. Somebody said, oh, it looks like Andrew Barry wasn't very happy with his defense, something like that. And I, my response in my head was, yeah, he's got eyes. <laughs> he watched this defense last year too. I think it just speaks to how he's attacked this. You know, I think when, when you look at this Browns defense now, uh, you think of some more of the, the dominant type defenses. When you, when you look at uh, the Rams defense or the, the 49ers defense of a, of a couple of years ago when everybody was healthy and Nick Bosa was there, uh, now it sort of has that vibe to it. It's very strong. And teams generally do not invest very much in their defense. They just don't. Everybody's all about offense anymore. Nobody really cares too much about really building and investing in the defense. They have now invested in the defense very strategically, and it's a hell of a defense. This is a complete overhaul now. I think you can consider it to be that. And therefore, uh, I think the future is going to be very, very bright on this defense because it can do so many things. And I think that Jadavian Clowney, when I look at 
the situation of his signing right now, his best years, of course, health is a big part of it, but his best years uh, were when he was with J.J. Watt. So now that he's with Miles Garrett, and he talked about this a little bit today, if Miles Garrett is taking uh, the bulk of the double teams, sometimes triple teams, uh, that's really going to free up Jadavian Clowney uh, to be a better player than he has been. So he hasn't gotten many sacks the last couple of years. I would expect that in addition to the pressures that he might get home a little bit more this year than he has in the past. I think those two guys are going to complement each other very well. I want to throw in that they are given $8 million guaranteed to a guy with three sacks in the last two years. I do think that has to be said and sacks aren't everything, but our discussion so far is assuming the best of Clowney. And that is, I mean, it's not a, a, a sure thing. I mean, it's just not, he, he, this might do very little for them, frankly, there's that possibility. But the whole point is if that happens, they're still okay. Right. That that's the whole thing of like, well, they're not, he's not supposed to be their second best defensive player. He's probably like their, like we just said, fifth, sixth. And if they don't have him, they have somebody else who can play instead. So that, that is what I like about this the best. And, and to me, it's like, I'm always looking, like you try to compare things. You know, when the Indians were in their winning window, right, with Corey Kluber and Trevor Bauer and Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez, and they went and stretched to get Edwin Encarnacion to get a bat in the middle of the lineup. And it was like, okay, we see this. We're going to go overboard. We're going to do extra right now because this is winning time. Do I think this might be the best roster that we're going to see in this window. Because in a world where Denzel Ward and Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb and everybody else are getting paid, you can't have Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and Sheldon Richardson and Jadavion Clowney. This might be their, it doesn't mean it'd be their best team. It might be their best roster of this Miles Baker era. And I like that they, I don't think they needed him. I think they would have been okay. They could have drafted a pass rusher in the second round. I think they would have been okay, but they got him anyway because they're stretching. They're not, they're leaving no stone unturned. They're not, it's a one-year thing. Like this is what it looks like to be all in on a season. I mean, is, is am I going too far with that? Like this is winning time. And I get that they don't have Patrick Mahomes, but they have everything else. And, and there's going to be a time when you're going to see some of these guys walk out the door just because they have to do it. So, you know, that, that, that as part of this is the signal today to fans, to everybody in that locker room, like there's the clowny, the player, and there's clowny, the signal, and it's go time, man. I think this is the best roster they've probably had since the eighties. Scott and Mary Kay, you could answer that, but I'm, I'm not going to throw that one to Ellis well, easily. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it definitely absolutely is. And I just wanted to bring up something real quick too about the, the three sacks dog in the last two seasons is a, a little bit skewed by the fact that he's only played in uh, 21 games. No, but you have to count that because that's part of his thing is he might not play in 16 games. Well, No, I know that. I, I'm just saying that if you're talking about a sack per you know game ratio, uh, you know, I know that health is a huge issue with him and that's, and that's what the yeah. risk is here. The risk in Jadavian Clowney is the health. It always has been. Uh, that, that is a huge part of, of his profile. He started out with a micro fracture knee injury 
as a rookie in like his first game. That's huge. I mean, basically you are, you're having to try to rebuild some semblance of cartilage with microfracture. Uh, then it's gone on from there to several other things. He had core muscle surgery after last, after the 2019 season. So that is the big thing with Jadavian Clowney. And, but that's also why I think that uh, $8 million is not that huge of a risk for him, for a player of his caliber. And I don't think he's fifth or sixth when he's healthy. I would not grade him that low. If we did a redraft of Brown's talent, thinks that's a pod coming up again somewhere down the line after the draft. <laughs> but uh, we if we lot, did that, we got a lot of Fridays to fill. We do. I, I wouldn't put him fifth or sixth I, on the defense. I would put him higher than that. I, I think he belongs up there. He's a three-time Pro Bowl player and he still has elite edge rush ability, not necessarily from a pass rush standpoint, but from a run defense standpoint, which he's been again, and, and he's consistently been in the 95th percentile every year of his career. But when you look back to his first eight games of last season, he had 22 pressures. Okay. So through week 10, he had 22 pressures. That was as much as Bud Dupree, Joey Bosa, and TJ Watt. He was tied for those guys with 22 pressures. That's only two fewer than Miles Garrett. So I think you have to bump him up a little bit in terms of where he belongs uh, in, in talent on the, on the Cleveland Browns. I think he's higher than that. And I, I think that this is a, a pretty full meaning, pretty meaningful signing if he can stay healthy. I mean, look, we've talked about it. What, what's the expectation from Clowney? Let's set it. Ellis, what is your, what is a realistic ex? I mean, Clowney today was talking about, you know, we haven't seen the best of him and we haven't seen his ceiling. Okay. That, that's great. But what is a realistic expectation for Jadavian Clowney? Where should we set that? So in 2015, he played 13 games, 2016, 14 games, 16 games in 2017, 15 in 2018 and 13 in 2019. Last year, of course, a shortened season due to his knee injury. Keep in mind, Denzel Ward misses an average of four games per season. He's literally played 12 games, each of his three games in this league. So I understand the injury stuff with Javion. I think a Part of it is what he admitted in his presser today, that since that microfracture, he hasn't been able to get back to 100%. And that was pretty telling. It was true, really a raw moment where you saw that him acknowledge his injuries not allowing him to get to that 100% threshold. But even if he is not 100%, if he doesn't ever get to where he knows he can be physically, and we've heard Odo Beckham Jr. talk about how frustrating it is for a world-class, world-class athlete to perform at a level they know that they can't reach because of their injuries, yet he's still playing in those games like I listed and grading out well in PFF and creating and generating pressures like Mary Kay said and racking up tackles for a loss like a monster. So when you put all of that together in a melting pot, putting him next to Miles Garrett, a a talented defensive line around him, and a front that I think wants to get more exotic and creative with Joe Woods and Chris Kiffin. I think the pressures continue at a high rate. The tackles for losses will continue at a high rate. The the Browns are going to be one of the best run defenses in this league. And then we've seen what a guy like Bud Dupree, who mind you the same exact age as your Davion Clowney, and it will now replace him in Tennessee 
We've seen what Bud Dupree is able to do as a number two or number three option on a talented defensive front. Now he goes to Tennessee to be the number one guy, which Clowney failed at. And Clowney comes to Cleveland to be the number two, two B three guy, maybe. And I think those sack numbers will finally show up. So when you put all that together, I'm saying I'm not worried about his health. The freakish athleticism will allow him to dominate the run and continue to create pressures. And then I think he falls into at least eight sacks. This this is going to work. The bar is probably his 2018 season with the Texans when he, that's the last time he played a full year with Watt. And that season was basically what we got from Olivier Vernon with the Browns. Like nine sacks, like 50 some pressures. His his, uh, pass rush uh, win rate was about the same as, as what Vernon's was and same with just his pressure rate overall. They weren't among the league leaders, but that's, you know, it was mid twenties, something like that. So that's probably what you're getting from a pass rush perspective. And that's probably maybe the bar you're setting for him. But then on the other side of that, I think you should expect him to be one of the top two or three run defenders on this team for sure uh, this coming season. And then, you know, when you look at him as a whole, then that's more than what you were getting the past couple of years opposite miles Garrett. So, I mean, I don't, I don't see him getting, I wouldn't expect him to be necessarily be double digit sacks or to be one of the league leaders in pressures. But I think Vernon's 2020 season is like, that's where the bar is. And, and you want him to reach that. Okay. Let, let's bring this, let's bring this back to where we started because there's, there's going to be this cottage industry starting in national media and it's already kind of started where somebody's going to go on first take or get up or whatever show and they're going to proclaim that the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl. They're their darling pick. They're going to clip it. It's going to get a million retweets and all of that. And we're going to sit here and say, yeah, it's not really that hot of a take. All right. So let's do a little fill in the blank. If the Browns win the Super Bowl this year, it will be because of blank. Who wants to go Baker first? Mayfield? Yeah, Baker Mayfield. I would have to I would agree. Baker Mayfield. He's, he's got to take that up to the not the, you know, He's got to take it up another notch and, and just get them to the Super Bowl, which is a very hard thing once you get, I mean, you're going to probably have to go through Pat Mahomes to get there. Might have to go through Josh Allen to get there. So I would say Baker. Yeah, it's a fascinating question. I would push back on Baker a little bit, even though I, I, I get it. To me, I think the real test for Baker is going to be when these auxiliary pieces are gone, when Odell isn't here and it's a, it's a rookie that all of a sudden needs to not play sparingly. Like Donovan Peoples-Jones needs to be out there every rep. When Jarvis Landry isn't able to make ridiculous catches and be the professional that he is. Of course, Baker needs to take one more half leap, but he doesn't have to carry the, the pressures and the loads of this franchise like the roster around him is capable of doing. So I'll say the defense. I, I will I will take the bait and say the defense on this one from Dan because adding a guy like Jadavion Clowney, adding John Johnson, Troy Hill, you're assuring up the areas that hindered you a year ago. And really the only weakness on this defense now is outside corner. Greedy Williams remains a mystery. I know listeners are going to hear that and be like, oh, what about linebacker? Well, it's becoming pretty clear that this defense is going to be able to get by with replacement level linebacker play Anthony Walker Jacob Phillips because John Johnson really translates as a linebacker go back and watch everything he did in Los Angeles he would start as a high safety and then come down as 
the Rams played cover three, but started too high to disguise it. And now all of a sudden he's your number two linebacker rushing down and blowing up Aaron Jones uh, on a run play versus green Bay plays I've detailed before. So now you've taken care of your linebackers by shoring up your safeties and you've added an athletic freak like your Davion Clowney, who is I'm on the record saying he'll stay healthy. He'll play in those playoff games. And then eventually the disruption starts and that opportunistic defense makes those plays because that's now who they are based on athletes, not just by chance and balls bouncing like they may have been a year ago. This defense now can end games in, for them in ways they couldn't last year and just see Kansas City a year ago if you need evidence. See, my first instinct is to say the offense. They'll win the Super Bowl if the offense doesn't hit a wall when they have a chance to win a divisional game on a final drive against the Chiefs in Arrowhead. But Ellis makes a lot of good points there uh, as far as the defense goes because you really closed a gap, I think, between the responsibilities on this team between the offense and defense. But I still think the Browns are going to be successful in 2021 more often than not because of their offense and the fact that they're going to grow or you expect them to grow from what they did last year and continuity and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I actually think the answer is they, if they win the Super Bowl, it will be because of smart, precise roster building over a number of years actually is the answer that like, this is not a one year thing. Jadavion Clowney is like step number 31 in bringing the Browns back. And they have, executed step by step by step by step starting with miles garrett at number one in that draft so i mean i think that's that's actually the thing because our whole point here is they have like 35 good players right and i kind of lean more towards ellis on this that it could be look it very well could be because baker mayfield plays out of his mind and he becomes a top five quarterback right but i think this team is talented enough to win if baker mayfield is above average I don't think he has to be top five to Ellis's point. There's going to come a time when it's very, all very quarterback centric for this roster because it's just too expensive to not be. But I think right now with the way this talent is and the way this team is built, if Baker Mayfield plays like he did, well, I mean the last six weeks of the season and into the playoffs, that was close to top five level play in a lot of ways. But I think if he's, if he's just above average, and I think he can be better than that, I think that takes this team to the level where they can. I'm, this isn't a prediction by anybody. It takes this team to a level where they certainly can. I you think know, the roster is built to support that. When I look at this defense now, and I look at the AFC North, I really think that this defense stacks right up with any any defense in the AFC North. It, it might even be the best. I mean, I think it's almost as good as Baltimore's, maybe better than Baltimore's because now they've got, uh, they've got that pass rush element. And I did feel like it was really important to have another really stout elite edge defender. I, I really strongly felt that that was vitally important, but now I think when I look at the division, I mean, this is the kind of defense whenever the Browns would ever go to play Pittsburgh or go to play Baltimore, you know, the defenses made you quake in your shoes a little bit that's the kind of defense the Cleveland Browns are going to have now. I mean, quarterbacks have to look out and see miles on that side, Jadavion on that side, Malik there who can come right up the middle at you. And then where are you going to throw it? Because you've got to be careful over the middle. You've got to be careful on the edges. 
Uh, I, I just think it's a, a very formidable defense that is going to strike fear into these quarterbacks. And it's, it's going to be very, very exciting. I still think there's ifs though. I think there are still some big ifs on this defense. And I think it starts with is Jadavian healthy and is he, you know, I, you know, look, anything can happen, right? Miles Garrett could get hurt or Denzel Ward could get hurt. I'm not talking about that sort of thing, but Jadavian Clowney does have to stay healthy and he does have to produce and he does have to show up every single week and, and be a productive pass rusher. Whoever starts at that other corner needs to be really good whether it's Greedy Williams or a draft pick, or if there's still somebody out there that they could bring in, whoever starts at that other corner needs to be really good. So I still think there's some ifs on this defense, but there just aren't as many now. And I think you can hide some of those things based on everything they've added. And again, there's still a draft. We've been so caught up in free agency and all the additions they've made. There is still a draft coming up in a couple of weeks where they're going to add people who are going to contribute right away. Yeah, I'm not concerned about this, but since we're on it, I'll list it. We're about to learn a lot, if not everything, about Joe Woods now. You know, there's really no more excuses there, much like Baker Mayfield a year ago. Like, okay, you got him the tackle. You got him the left tackle, the right tackle. Now there's a guard. There's two good running backs and receivers and the tight ends. All right, Baker, prove you're an above-average quarterback. He does that. Now we're about to see what Joe Woods truly is because he has an abundance of toys to play with. There was a guy last season, a reader who would email me almost every week, yelling and screaming in all caps about Joe Woods (laughs) and how he was the worst defensive coordinator ever. He never blitzed. He can't get pressure on the quarterback. And I tried to explain to him, well, do you factor into this, the personnel he's dealing with? And that was, you know, didn't matter. So Ellis is totally right. I think we're going to find out a lot about Joe Woods. And look, the, the defense the Browns put on the field in week one last season, like that group, like at whatever potential they had at the beginning of camp, the, the potential was lost, it seemed, uh, when the Browns actually got to the season. But this, this group now that Joe Woods has to work with has tons of potential. And, you know, whether they live up to that, we'll, we'll see. But that's the big difference between this year and last year. It's just the potential of what it can be. And now it's, you know, it's up to Joe Woods to make it all work. Does, does anyone want to make the case that Joe Woods has more pressure on himself than Baker Mayfield next year? Anybody? Come on. Mm-mm. I mean, no. with, with, all, with everything oh, Tom, that he's, come on. With, with everything he has to work with, I, I can't, I mean, you really can't screw this up. And, and I, I just don't think he would do that anyways, but I, I just don't think it's, I don't think it's an issue. It's more pressure on you when you're trying to patch together a defense playing Andrews and Deho every snap. I mean, that's pressure. This is talent, man. Like I don't, I don't, this is what he lives for. So, and I do think, I think, listen, if you have, if you are the kind of fan people listening to this, and I think probably most people are that have, they have faith in the Browns right now, right? Everything that you saw happen on offense last year, I don't know why you wouldn't for the moment, assume it's going to happen on defense with all the moves that they've made, all the people they've added, the talent, the way they targeted it. And then, as you said, it was a, it's a great comparison. All right. It was sort of like, all right, Baker and Stefanski, here we go. And now it's like, all right, Joe Woods, here they go. And they did it. Like they did it last year. It didn't happen overnight. It took a little time. And maybe that'll be the case here a little bit too. You know, Grant Delpit might make some mistakes early, right? I mean, these guys haven't played together. There might be some mistakes, but it feels like this is round. This is step two of, 
putting it together and step one went pretty well and they made the playoffs. So mm-hmm. why wouldn't you believe that Joe Woods and all the talent they added on that side of the ball is going to work? Offenses have the advantage of dictating terms and deciding how they want to implement their players. Meaning Kevin Stefanski can make receivers like Rashard Higgins, Donovan Peoples Jones and Austin Hooper, despite one's contract, probably not, deeming him worthy and being that group you get my point he can scheme them open he can make those pieces a high functioning offense because of the scheme around them on defense there's only so much you can do you can't hide cornerbacks you can't hide subject or suspect safeties excuse me they are going to get picked and exploited and you know we it's obvious saying that out loud but it was really telling when joe woods had a presser before the Steelers game and the Browns were facing a, a depleted secondary uh, due to everything going on with COVID. And he was asked in like three different ways, what are you going to do with such inexperienced corners playing? And each time his roundabout answer was like, look, guys are going to have to just play. And that's football. And that specifically is defensive football. So now that he's got the soldiers, now that he's got the bodies, now that he's got the athletes, that excuse no longer exists and the defense is going to go out there and just play, which now might be an advantage for the Browns, which is crazy. If you would have said this three months ago, six months ago, a year ago. I, I think that this is the final piece to, to the puzzle this off season. We knew what the plan was last off season, as, as Doug mentioned, the last off season was bolster the offense. They had to let some things go. You can't do everything in one year. They put their money there. They put their resources there and it played out the way that they wanted it to. Again, not right away, but it did. The defense, I don't think it takes a defense as long as it does to take an offense to come together. You don't have to worry about as timing as much. You don't have to worry about uh, all the things that you have to do in terms of identity and use of personnel and shifting and motion and a rookie left tackle trying to figure out that side of the line. I think it's a little easier to put defensive pieces and parts in there and have them function together faster. So I think these guys will probably hit the ground running uh, and be a good defense pretty much right from the start. And this was it. This was the last enormous big piece of putting this whole roster together to get them into the Super Bowl. This is it. everybody, I mean, Doug's been saying it too. I mean, this is, you're looking at it right now. This is the team expected to go to the Super Bowl Because if you're not going to do it with this team, it's going to be hard to to do it if you can't do it with this one. So this is it. We're looking at it. And like you guys have all said, they haven't even had the draft yet. The draft, I don't think is expected to, to put them over the top into the Super Bowl. They're there right now to the point where if the season started tomorrow and no rookies started, this is the roster. This is the lineup designed to go all the way. We might have to do the re-rank in the teams podcast too. I had him third. If anybody wants to come up with me to third, I know a couple of you guys had him fourth, but I had him third before. I just, I got to tell Tom Brady, watch out, brother. Browns are coming. No promises. I might have them. I might have them at two by next week. Who knows? Yeah, for the sake of my my walls, because I you know I, I like my Tom Brady poster. I don't want to add any more. I really wouldn't mind seeing the Colts add some talent. Just just saying. 
Oh, that's the first thing I thought of. Ooh. Carson Wentz on Ellis's wall. Thank you, Jadavion Clowney. You know what we need is we need a Carson Wentz, a, a Colts Browns wild card game. Oh my goodness! <laughs> it would. We call it the. We'd call it the poster game. We put hey. Doug and Ellis live on Zoom for the whole three and a half hours. It'd be beautiful. Just just because I'm a gambling man, I grew up ten minutes from a, a casino, which no 17, 18 year old should that just shouldn't be legal. But it's it's just in the water of where I'm from. This would be the perfect scenario. The Browns win more games than the Colts. I lose my bet, but I double or nothing, Doug, because I'm a gambling man in that wild card game, and we see what happens. But we're a long ways away from that. By the end of this, there will be a parade in Cleveland. And Ellis Williams will have a Carson Wentz sucks tattoo <laughs> on his arm. This is where this is headed. <laughs> That's frightening, but you're not wrong, Doug. Oh, content. We'll stream it live. It'll happen on the podcast and, and we'll stream it live. I'll put it up on our YouTube channel. It's our Cleveland Browns YouTube channel. You should subscribe to it. And you should also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, like I said, the schedule is a little different this week. You're here on the roundtable today. Got to watch the tape. It's coming up Friday. So I get to ask you guys, what, what can people expect on Friday? What, what are you talking about? Absolutely nothing to do with Jadavian Cloudy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little anticlimactic. We kind of figured like the cloudy stuff is uh, kind of going to take care of itself. These guys will probably break down. I know they're breaking it down in their stories already. We've, we're going through the AFC North and what they've done in their offseason. So we've done the Steelers and the Ravens, and we're doing the Bengals next. So that'll be on the Friday pod. Or I'm Joe sure we'll come back the following week with, with Clowney. Well, plenty of Clowney coming out. We all needed Clowney. We all needed this to happen. We needed this like week and a half of just solid Clowney <laughs> content. Uh, we also did an emergency Clowney pod. If you missed that, check out your, your podcast feed or go to cleveland.com slash Browns. And of course, check out Football Insider as well to get signed up for a newsletter with exclusive content, get access to those stories on cleveland.com with that tag and also be part of our texting. Good job, everybody. From Mary Kay, Ellis, Scott, and Doug, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.